And I think it's a little bit ridiculous that we still need to have this discussion in the 21st century which part of the world you are from. I think if someone lives in a country, he deserves all the rights, especially if they are doing the right thing and, and yeah, contributing something to the society and the economy. I'm Danny Vallant, and this is Dirty Linen, the podcast that takes the issues the hospitality industry finds hard to air in public and shakes them all about. Always on Dirty Linen, we encourage people who feel like they've got something to contribute to the conversation to get in touch with us. So always listen out for those contact details at the end of each episode or feel free to hit me up on social media. Uh, Philip Hockenberger was one of the people that reached out when he heard we were talking about temporary visa holders. He's the brand manager for the Hoff Group. Uh, they've got uh, Hofbrau House in Melbourne, um, in the city and down in Docklands. He reached out because he felt like he had a little bit of a different perspective on the situation as it relates to temporary visa holders in Melbourne, in Australia, and uh, yeah, during the roller coaster ride that we're all on. Thank you so much, Philip, for reaching out to me and for coming to chat to Dirty Linen today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So tell me why you got in touch. Um, well, I think it goes back to the first lockdown. Um, your podcast came up on my uh, um, Apple podcast app and I'm a big fan of podcasts in general. So I listen to it every day to work and I found it really motivating and almost inspiring listening to the different um, stories people have to tell. And um, yeah, obviously as a visa holder, we probably uh, belong to the group of people who got hit really badly in this position. Um, and I just admire especially your work, what you're doing for, for us as a, as a group, so to say, basically, um, in Australia as visa holders. And I just want to basically support your course, I reckon. Oh, okay. <laughs> now I'm embarrassed because I certainly didn't uh, mean for you to uh, talk about me, but I suppose, uh, but thank you. But I guess what I was, um, yeah, getting to was that your approach to the lockdown, number one and now number two, and uh, just, I guess, how you perceive the place of um, temporary visa holders through this pandemic in Australia. Yeah, well, I think, um, look, uh, first, when, when, the, when the first lockdown started and, and the JobKeeper came out, I, I was actually quite on the side of the government with what they decided first um, to exclude the visa holders. I mean, I don't want to be in a position of any of those guys um, up there making those tough decisions. And I think they've certainly done the right decision to some point. And to start with, I, I was really on their side because they had to rush something um, in order to, I, I guess, like kind of keep the peace in the society and avoid further negative influence um, on people's life by um, pushing out that JobKeeper program. But um, yeah, when, when things settled, then I was actually really hoping that they're going to see um, the importance of us visa holders here in Australia and what we contribute to um, the society and the community. And I feel a little bit left behind, to be honest, now that um, everything's settled. They now reworked, uh, reworked the JobKeeper program and just left us behind again. 
you felt like it was understandable. They had to do something quickly. You know, they couldn't get it all right, but you thought once the dust settled that they would, you know, be more considered and look at who were the contributors to the Australian economy and then, then the visa holders would be included. Is that is that what you thought might happen? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, I mean, especially when they realised that um, their budget they had put aside for the JobKeeper was much bigger than they actually needed. So I thought, oh, okay, um, they're now going to look, at the visa holders and all the students here in the country, which are a big part of the community. And I, I believe they're really important for the economy in Australia in general. Well, that's what I thought as well, but it didn't really work out the way we wanted it, or at least not so far, did it? No, not really. Look, I think um, it's it's really hard and it's a, a, a tough position to be in. Um, but I think of every visa holder, regardless if they're in Australia or I don't know, Canada, America, Germany, you kind of go into a relationship with the country you go in, right? So you give something to the country, you um, you pay taxes, you pay fees, especially in Australia, all the students who pay these really high fees, um, uh, not talking about even the, the fees for to get the visa. And then you bring your, your livelihood here to the country and you build your life here. And yes, it's a great opportunity to live in a beautiful city um, like Melbourne, and I'm I'm deeply grateful for it. But on the other side, it, I think it's a two-way street, right? So we're giving our our skill set to country and to, especially in the hospitality industry, which is so deeply needed. Um, and when when you get a visa approved from from the Australian government, they basically agree on taking your service, right? So I I really think they they really left out yeah alone and almost cheating us because they almost um act like we don't exist to be honest and you're from germany what's the situation for people in a similar position over there um in germany the situation or how they handle it is quite different i mean i now live here in australia since about three years um not really up to stretch but um in germany it really doesn't matter um, what kind of visa permit you have. As long as you're allowed to work, um, you get the same kind of benefits um, every nation, national German would get. So it doesn't really matter which country you're from. And I think it's a little bit ridiculous that we still need to have this discussion in 21st century, which part of the world you're from. I think if someone lives in a country, he deserves all the rights, especially if they are doing the right thing and and yeah, contributing something to the society and the economy. So, Philip, you're from Germany and you haven't taken a traditional path into the hospitality industry. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you come to be here in Melbourne and also what you bring to Melbourne that we didn't have here already? Um, yeah, so my way is into hospitality and into Melbourne is probably a little bit unusual than most others. Um, my first connection with Melbourne was about in 2012 when I was here in a study abroad semester and I instantly fell in love with Melbourne, the people here in Melbourne, the communities, the different communities in Melbourne and just Melbourne as a, as a whole and also Australia. And then, um, yeah, I went back after semester or after I think eight months or nine months here in Melbourne and Australia and finished my university, done my um, bachelor in business and my master in entrepreneurship and, and brand management and had like this typical story of someone who 
thought it's really cool to start their own business during uni, um, which went quite well, um, then turned out to be not that successful. So I was very keen for a new start and I was quite lucky that my um, former boss and turned friend um, visited me back in Germany and we were sitting there having a couple of beers and talking about life. And uh, I said, oh, man, I think I'm keen for a new start. And he said, well, why don't you come to Melbourne? We need someone like you, um, probably is not hospital background and would love to have you in my company. And I wasn't really sure if it's that easy with the visa and everything. So it took us a little while, about a year um, or 18 months until we have had everything sorted. And then in late 2017, I arrived in Melbourne, had absolutely no idea about hospital. I was working as a bartender during uni as most other students. <laughs> um, but apart from that, I had no ideas about food costs, about um, seating times and everything else, um, not even talking about award rates and, and all the other laws. Um, hospitality businesses um, have to deal with here in Australia. So, yeah, and I started as a, or started then as the brand manager for, for the two restaurants. And, um, yeah, that's, that's about it when I started. And then during um, the pandemic, I think because I've got... I'm not your typical probably brand manager. I'm not the most creative person, I would say. I'm probably more the strategic, uh, strategic mind behind that. So, and I always think branding is not only your external stuff you're doing, but also um, looking after the people who create a brand, especially in hospitality. It's such a high touch point brand experience. Um, and when the pandemic hit, um, I felt kind of responsible for, for us to basically do my job while looking um, for the internal part of the branding and um, the boys give us in general pretty um, um, yeah pretty loose line in how we deal things in the business so I said um, I think it's really important to look after each other and make sure that everyone gets through this whole mess um, as a whole as one not just every individual so I said, okay, for me as a, as a brand manager, I want to look after the, uh, the internal brand, so to say. That's so interesting. So you mean like the way that people are feeling about being as part of the business and then if they're feeling really great because they're being looked after, I mean, not only is that a good thing in itself, but it means that they're really, I guess, the mood and the feeling and the, the, um, the physical representation of the brand and how they relate to customers is going to be really strong and really positive. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm always a, I'm, I think a lot of people have the same mindset, but I feel very strong about culture, positivity, and just more about having fun while still performing on a really, really, really high level. Um, so for me, it's important from a brand perspective that you not only communicate and have a brand to your external customers, but also to the internal part of your brand, which is your team. Um, everyone, every basically every stakeholder and shareholder of the business is part of the brand as much as the customer and the brand itself for me. That's how I see it. Um, and I think it's just important in general, even outside the pandemic, that everyone who works in your, in your company is kind of a brand advocate. That's what you want to achieve, right? Everyone should be um, 
proud to work for a certain company or that's the ultimate goal you want to work for. Everyone should be happy when they think about work, not to be stressed about work, more having like this positive feeling, getting excited the minute they start thinking about work, not so much worried about, oh, okay, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to wash the dishes, I have to serve those customers, which are probably not the most front, uh, friendliest one. Um, but more like the, the positive side of, okay, I'm really exciting to go to work today, no matter what's going to happen. So tell me how you create that sort of culture and that kind of mood during a pandemic. Oh, um, I think I'm, we're still in the process, actually. Um, but when the first lockdown started, we were all, I think, same as anyone else, especially from what I can hear from, from all the beautiful stories you have on your podcast, um, we tried to um, find the right way between pivoting the business but also do the right thing. So we limited the team who were actually working in the venue to a very small core team because no one was really sure how this whole community transmission is really working. Um, we had a lot of backpackers leaving us. Um, a lot of students went back home. Um, and yeah, so we tried every angle in order to turn the ship around because we are located in the CBD, which is probably the worst spot from what I could see, um, especially in Melbourne. And with both businesses located in the CBD, we were pretty much doomed already. So we tried in the first lockdown every single angle. We've tried um, obviously the deliveries um, and takeaway stuff. Um, we've tried ready-to-eat meals, um, retail, we've tried master classes. So we were working really, really hard and trying just to, yeah, make things happen. And then once we were allowed to reopen, we were all super excited, obviously, to have customers back, um, to have all the people back um, which couldn't work um, during the first lockdown. But everyone who kind of worked through that first lockdown and everyone worked really crazy hours, we were all like kind of really exhausted mentally and obviously physically. I mean, it it had its paid its toll working so hard, but everyone felt like, okay, we, we need to get through this. And then when the second lockdown happened, I, I went to the boss and I said, listen, guys, I think we have to do it differently this time. I mean, we are all hospital workers are used to work hard. Um, and I said, but I think it it goes nowhere. I said, look, we're in the CBD. Our sales are down 90, 95%. No matter what we're doing, there's just not enough people in the CBD in order to um, to make that work. So I said, okay, let's use that time and work on the business. So we got all the team together and said, okay, we we stop, we rethink and we revisit everything, the whole business. And we um, we had some really good discussions there about basically everything from um, suppliers to other menu to how we deal with the customers, um, the concept of the brands and everything. So um, we completely revisited everything. We stopped. We said we're doing only the basics. Um, we look after each other. We really make sure that everyone is in a positive um, and mental condition. Um, which is probably quite unusual for hospitality. Um, and I, I think it's, it completely worked out for us at the end because um, during these first three or four weeks of the second lockdown, we had so many awesome ideas, 
not so much what we're gonna do in the lockdown to start with more stuff what we're gonna do once every everything is going back to normal because i'm i'm sure there is gonna be a time after covid i think in a couple or at least i hope in a couple of months no one really talks about covid anymore as something of the present more something of the past um so yeah, we started to work out all those ideas for after the lockdown. We worked on everything. No one really has time to during the normal times. Um, we cleaned our um, our admin. We worked on our training programs because we've got quite a strong onboarding procedure for every new staff member. So we worked that out. Um, we worked on new menu items. And then we still had time. We said, okay, let's try to do something during the lockdown now. So we came up with an idea and opening a pop-up um, takeaway store in the Melbourne southeastern suburbs just to get out of the CBD, um, um, which we launched in at the Caulfield Racecourse last weekend. And it's amazing because we all our customers, they were texting us all the time during the lockdown saying, hey, it's such a shame, we can't get your food because we're all living too far away. And we said, okay, if they can't come to Hofbrau House in Chinatown, we just have to come to them. <laughs> um, so we so we had um, the idea. And, and luckily, and that's what I love about lockdown as well, so many different people who probably would have never worked together before the lockdown, all of a sudden now working together because everyone has that more kind of a we and together mentality rather than just that's us and that's you. Mm. Um, so we made awesome friends during that um, period as well, which I just think is absolutely beautiful. It's interesting what you say about the second lockdown and that you felt like you had to do things differently. I, I think there was so much energy for the first lockdown. And as you say, you know, you pivoted this way, you pivoted that way, you swiveled, you turned, you, you know, you tried all these different things. I mean, there was so much energy and as you say you worked so hard and it is very depleting and I think when a lot of people hit the second lockdown in, in one way it was easier because you know everyone's systems were set up people knew how to do takeaway but on the other hand there just wasn't the energy to keep changing and to keep uh, reframing the way that you did business. Yeah exactly I mean I've, for us it's probably a special um, situation being located in the in the CBD, and I think everyone who has their main business in the CBD knows how how difficult and a pain it is to be located not in the suburbs. And for us, as I said, it was more important really to make that call to say, okay, stop. And I still believe sometimes in in life, doesn't matter if it's your personal life or your business life, if you if you're having a hard time, sometimes people just tend to just keep going and going and going because they think that's the only way. But I believe sometimes it's just easier to stop and do nothing just for a second and just let everything pass and, and have a look what's actually happening around you and then, um, yeah, look what you can do. I think um, for me it's important in this, in this situation not to let this negative um, whole vibe of the pandemic get on top of you I think it might sound a little bit silly or even naive but I try not to think about the repercussion of COVID um, I try to focus on the on more the exciting stuff so rather than being scared of what really could go wrong during this pandemic um, I really focus on um, and try to be excited about what can actually go right 
and and that's kind of far. <laughs> that's that's very admirable. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that. How do you do that? How do you do that? And what can go right? Um, look, I'm I'm probably an entrepreneur by heart and by soul, basically. And I get I'm a super competitive person. Um, I wouldn't describe myself as jealous, but I love seeing other people having success. Not because I'm not saying off. Oh, um, that's the best in my life. But when I see other people having success, for example, I, I love the story about how um, um, Shane from Maha um, started Providor or how the boys from um, Atlas Dining pivoted their fine dining into um, a really nice master glass box, which people can organize um, and get delivered at home and made it their fine dining really accessible for everyone. And all those stories, they really motivate the crap out of me because I just think then I want to I wanna do it differently. I maybe even want to do it better. Not in a bad way, I guess, um, but more like in a really exciting way. Like when I f- see all those stories, I think like, yeah, that's what really drives me. So I see those beautiful stories about people who had it really hard. I mean, everyone in hospitality, no matter where you are at the moment, um, you suffer. It doesn't matter if it's your personal life or your business life. At the end of the day, um, your your whole life work is in danger. And and when I then see those stories, I just get really, really motivated. It really drags me out of bed in the morning. And I think like, all right, I just want to do something in order to have a positive impact of someone's life. doesn't matter if it's my co-workers or our customers or just the person I met on the street. So can you talk a bit more about that sort of the, the, the us and the them and how you kind of flip that idea of competitiveness into a kind of togetherness? Well, that's one thing I, I, um, I mean, I've, I've said it to, to our team so many times already. I don't necessarily think this whole pandemic is something really, really bad. I mean, obviously, don't get me wrong, put all this health risk aside and unfortunately all the lives who've been lost that's tragic but if you if you look purely on on what kind of impact it has on society in a positive way i think it's actually something which in the long term will benefit everyone i think before covid even in the australia and i trust me i think the australians are the nicest people on earth you still had like a little bit this uh that's them, that's us um, philosophy. I mean, especially in hospitality. Hospo is a, in a city like Melbourne, um, a super competitive world. And even though there are friendships um, in this market, there's always this competition part really, really strong. And you always talk about other businesses as there and and us and that's our team and our business that's their team and their um and their business that was before covid now i think it completely changed i've never had so many fantastic dialogues conversations with other um people on the street completely strangers i've never met in my life before um i talked to other hospitality businesses they're even our competitors actually um, but it seems like COVID completely erased all this. There is no real competition anymore. People help each other. Um, they support each other. Um, and, and I think that's absolutely fantastic. And um, that's also what 
as I mentioned earlier, for me personally, when I see someone having success, especially in the times like this at the moment, where everyone is pretty much in, in, in a mess, that just motivates me. Not in a negative way that I see, okay, I want to have the same success, more like I'm, I'm admire them. I think like, wow, they're doing a fantastic job. How can I do also a fantastic job and maybe do it different or maybe do it better or just do something completely different? Mm. You told me there was a, there's a hotel next to your venue that you tried to help. Yeah, that was also something. Um, uh, and, and those stories, Danny, to be honest, that just fascinates me about um, this whole situation. Um, that guy who, who owns the hotel, I mean, the hotel industry is probably even more um, hit by COVID than the hospital industry because when we were allowed to reopen for even 20 guests, um, they had none. And um, because it's located next to us, um, one day he came over and we just um, had a nice chat. As I said, complete stranger, never met him before, um, had a couple of beers together and just talked about life and the effects of COVID. And then, uh, yeah, had a couple of lunches together. And now we decided, okay, let's um, let's see how we can actually work together and help your business and maybe ours. So we're now we kind of paused that because of the second lockdown. But after the first lockdown, when we were allowed to have more people in, we were thinking of kind of using his facilities for kind of a really special um, experience where people can book a hotel room um, and um, getting something to eat as well. Maybe even get taking the kids somewhere else so they can be on their own and things like that. So it, it was really nice. So the dialogue was in the conversation we had was really positive and, and we've never met before. Like all of, of all of the whole friendship um, was built during the first lockdown or the, the first after lockdown period, basically. And, and I think that's great because we probably would have never met before that. Yeah. Uh, uh, so a lot of turning points in your life, Philip, seem to happen over a couple of beers, hey? <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, being a, uh, being a German is um, <laughs> beer plays a really good, <laughs> really big part in our life, I guess. Yeah. Um, do you feel like the, the, the pandemic has highlighted things that we used to take for granted and given us an opportunity to value them more highly? Ah, uh, yeah, 100%, 100%. I think um, especially us um, in a safe country like um, Australia or even in Europe, we take things um, or took things probably for granted. I think the easiest um, topic is just going out whenever you want, especially now with the second lockdown and the curfew, um, being allowed to go out, meeting with your friends, having a beer um, or something nice to eat or doing exercise or simple things. Everything was taken for granted in my opinion. And now the, the lockdown and this whole pandemic just, I think, showed us the real picture of the world that not everyone has this opportunity to always see their friends to always um, go out, exercise. And I think that's something we should not forget, even after we go back to a kind of new normality. Well, I mean, what can we do with this information and this realisation, though? Like, what, what do we, apart from just thinking, apart from feeling lucky that we can now do all those things that we can't do right now, what do we do with um, 
this new awareness to make the world a better place permanently? Well, I think it comes down to, to every individual. And I think a lot of people um, or people in general, they need a, a target and a goal for their life in order to be motivated. And then especially during a pandemic, they sometimes forget and can't see that goal because they probably think, ah, oh, I'm just one single person. I can't make a difference. But I think it's that's nonsense because everyone basically can make a difference doesn't matter how powerful you are or how popular you are or how much influence you have if you every single and even if it's a really tiny thing you make a difference every time in your life and i think we especially in the hospitality industry we now get a chance to um everything which was broken before and i'm pretty sure a lot of hospitality people gonna agree with me on that that the industry kind of was broken on many parts and now we get the, the, the chance to fix all this in hospitality but also in society in general just be a little bit more mindful with everyone else and um, make sure everyone is in a really strong mental position because that's also something I think a lot of people just don't appreciate. Uh, what kinds of things would you like to see change in the industry? Um, I think mental health is a big part which needs to be changed. I was, um, I mean, as I said, I'm not a hospital background at all. Um, and I was shocked how much um, stories are out there of people who just been burnt completely out, not by their employers, or just more by the industry themselves. It's such a, again, comes back to the topic, taking something as granted, um, that people in hospitality industry are working so ridiculous hours and the customer don't even know about it i think i, I it's probably not true I, I reckon they know about it but no one really wants to hear it so i think um operators should much more listen to the team as a whole and really take care of the mental health of each and every individual and really have try to create this positive atmosphere but that comes back to be honest to the consumer i guess and i think the consumer is playing a big part as well because at the end of the day they um, decide which business is successful and not in by going out to those places and if the consumer keeps going to the cheapest offers then nothing is going to change so i really hope that everyone no matter in australia or anywhere else that people just stop this price and discount hunting and going from one cheap um, meal to the next one because what they don't see is all those stories behind the creation of that meal and it just costs a certain amount of dollars um, in order to prepare a good meal and I think people should be more um, careful where they eat and what they are paying for it and not really look at the price more look at the whole thing as a business and and I think it's sad because every other industry people are looking on the environmental footprint on their um, code of conduct everyone screams when they hear about Apple um, having an uh, I don't know getting their screens their their touch screens from a um, company in Asia and they don't pay the normal wage for them but no one really does it in, in the hospitality industry, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I think a lot of people also don't do it in many other parts. I mean, yeah, like people buy cheap clothes, people buy cheap technology, uh, 
yeah, people, the, the supply lines are often hidden from us and they are to a certain extent with food as well. You know, we don't see from the, you know, the piece of um, chicken on the plate, we don't, we don't, there's not that transparency right back to the farm. You need to ask more questions and, as you say, choose where you go pretty carefully. But I think um, it definitely is down to consumers to make to understand the power of their choices and I suppose it goes back to what you said earlier like yes you're just one person but the choices that you make and um, the actions that you take do definitely make a difference um, but yeah it's really interesting it's like you seem to be drawing a really clear line between the mental health of the people working in a restaurant and the price that the consumer pays is would that be fair to say? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, it comes down to the business model, but um, in general, when it comes to taking this chance of COVID and basically re-rolling the dice, I think mental health is definitely something everyone should look into. So what's something that you decided, in, you know, in this second lockdown when you're having these powwows and making making decisions and rethinking everything about the business, like what's an example of something that you've decided to change? Um, I think the biggest change we've done um, as a team is um, we had a really clear look on who we are and how we basically are and why we are how we are, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so a really deep look into our core values and really also question, okay, are they actually always in place? I mean, no one is perfect, right? Don't get, don't get me wrong. And I'm not saying everything is always perfect, but um, we really questioned and say, okay, what can we actually do better in order to make us more attractive as a company and as a team, um, which is a business decision, right? And um, also to see, okay, what can we actually do to make our workplace really exciting? Um, to give us as a team, not only on a senior level, but on from the top to the bottom, a little bit more um, empowerment. And, and I'm a big fan of empowerment because I think everyone wants to have a little bit of a saying in what um, and how their, their workplace is designed so we sat all together and i said okay um with a couple of other guys um i said okay let's let's sit together let's take this blank page and let's all be part of the workplace design and let's look at our procedures let's look look at how we're doing things and see if it's really necessary if it's a little bit of an overkill or maybe we're missing something and just like i guess get everyone on board in order to decide and or design the new life afterwards because right now to be honest we are in a really unfortunate position everyone or most of us so just take and completely ignore this whole mess of of the lockdown and really focus on what's going to come after there's always going to be good times following uh, bad times, right? It's not going to be bad for the rest of our life. So let's just ignore the current state of this pandemic and let's all focus on the positive side when we reopen and let's be 100% prepared and say, okay, we're not going to do much at the moment, but we want to be absolutely prepared. We want all the people coming into our venue and give them the best possible 
experience they were craving so far for this lockdown so we said okay let's work on the business and let's make everyone part of the actual design of everyone's job and i think that's a super exciting part for everyone i'm super excited um i think that everyone in the team is super exciting and we just can't wait until we reopen because it's going to be a whole new world for everyone Wow. Well, I just love your optimism and I love your vision, especially as you know, as you're walking to work at the moment through a very dead city. It's certainly not the Melbourne that you fell in love with uh, as a student eight or so years ago. But Philip, I think you've definitely shown why it's great to have you here in Australia as part of our hospitality industry. Um, I'm sorry that the government isn't valuing your presence more by including you in the various support packages, but I'm glad that you've, um, yeah, you've obviously got a really key role at the Hof Group and um, I'm sure that the people that are working with you are glad that you're there. So thank you so much for coming and having a chat to me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Danny. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production.